Hello and welcome to episode 1104 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, October 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm sad. Yeah. The regular season grind is over. Yeah. yeah. The playoff uh, baseball starts today, though. So there's that. A full day of playoff baseball. Yes. Nine o'clock in the morning, my time starting. Crazy. Yeah. We, we were looking at it. There's not really anything else for them to do because of the way the scheduling is. The only thing I would have done differently here is maybe overlapped it a little bit so that there isn't a 9 a.m. Pacific game. But because there are no West Coast teams hosting, it's hard to get that like nine central, seven Pacific start time tonight. Because what are you going to do? Put uh, Toronto or the Mets? You mentioned the Cardinals. That would have been the only one I could see maybe. And you do eight central. That's nine Eastern. That's still six Pacific. It's tough. I, to me, I like on the weekend, they are overlapping the two later games to yes. start. Like, why? Like, I guess I get, I mean, I understand why, but like, like starting at nine o'clock in the morning on the West Coast to me just seems silly. Like, and I, it's, I'm, it's I'm tomorrow too. Tomorrow yeah, is nine o'clock. All day today until 10 30. And like, now I'm going to miss the at least the first half of the first game and that's just a huge bummer for me. That's about the only one I get to watch. I am going to a concert festival today. No crying for me. I'm very excited. Can't wait to be going listen to music in the park all day, but uh basically Rays Guardians will be all that I can guaranteed get. The rest I'll see how spotty the connection is. I might have one little AirPod in with with radio feeds if I can get it. There are certainly pockets in the park where the uh where the cell service works, but uh today we're going to talk starting pitchers and we're going to talk September September standouts picking up from where we were last time. I looked at second half fall offs. All of them and not all of them. A lot of them just didn't really seem to have a lot of analysis to go with it. Like Shane McClanahan, he got hurt. What what you know what are we going to like and a lot of more like oh they got hurt or simple regression blah blah blah. So instead of doing that which would have been the follow up to these uh fall off hitters, I figure we'll go back a week plus cuz when we were going to do last Friday we we're going to talk about September surgers here. So I want to get into a group of guys. This is an interesting range, right? There's there's guys at the high end that have been hyped, and then there's some off-the-radar guys. But let's talk about somebody who had an, a great year, not just a great September, but I don't know if he got enough run. Let's start with Christian Javier in Houston. This man could be in the bullpen during the playoffs. Now, I don't think he will. I think he's going to stick in the rotation this year because he was so dominant 254 era 0.95 whip on the season 25 starts five relief appearances he was brilliant and in september specifically how's a 0.32 era and a 0.64 whip suit you for 28 innings and three wins too which is so important wins were so challenging down the stretch i'm looking at a guy that we're going to talk about who had three wins on my bench because i was scared to start him against difficult opponents but uh christian javier Elite all year, off the charts, brilliant in September. What's the deal with Christian Javier? Does he get a guaranteed role next year? Is he somebody that you're interested in? What do you think of Christian Javier's season? And that's the big question is what is his role next year? Like he should be a starter, but uh, he seems to be kind of the odd man out of the rotation when they move to a five man. And I don't know that anything changes next year for that. Are I, you I, sure? Are you sure, Urquidy? I mean, I love Urquidy, right? You've never been a huge Urk guy. I'm not, but I've been beating the Urk drum for for years. He wasn't bad this year, 394, 117. Yeah. 
Luis Garcia, 372, 113, also not bad. You sure it's not one of them next year, push come to shove, if they have these same six? I hate I, I, I hate to say it that if it is going to be one of those guys losing their rotation spot, that it's probably Luis Garcia, just because I don't think your Kitty plays as well out of the bullpen as a guy like Garcia does. Yeah. Um, so it, you could be right. Like it could be Javier, but like he's been just so great in that, you know, short stint, you know, coming out of the bullpen. What, why mess with it? You know, he's good out of it. That's it benefits the team, you know, uh, more. I think they'll also continue with six man at times too, though, because Verlander's older, McCullers is brittle. I mean, this is the type of thing that can be fixed by just guys getting hurt. You know, yeah. Nasty, I mean, one so. one injury, of course, mm-hmm. puts them back down to five. Most teams suffer more than one injury, so that's true. But say you are, let's say for example, like a moron a complete and utter dipshit and you as i am for a draft like let's Mm -hmm. just say you're you're that person and you signed up for a draft and you're checking to see if your pick is up yet and you're three picks away theoretically if you're three Mm -hmm. picks away um do you right now if you were in a draft that was taking place do you take javier as though he's a starter i do but I also don't project like a crap ton of innings for him. So like, okay, so he had a uh, buck. He had a buck uh, forty nine this year. We'll round up one forty eight and two thirds. We'll call it one forty nine. I think that's what you you keep it at. You one fifty. Um, like I, I don't I don't want to project anything more than that for him. Uh, if I get anything on top of that, it's gravy. But for for Javier, I think there's just so much potential for him to kind of bounce again through, you know, being a rotation piece and being a bullpen piece that uh, I love the skills and I'm going to draft him. Like he's not going to be like super low on my ranks or anything like that. Mm. But I think we also want to temper the expectations uh, because this is just such a loaded rotation. He was a 20th, 21st rounder last year because he was not expected to start Christian Javier. What is he this year? Like a 12th? Round starter or twelfth round pick, tenth round pick. Where, where where are you at with him? And fifteen teams, so we're talking like one fifty or later range. If it's tenth round plus, yeah, one fifty and one seventy five. I think that's probably about right. I think one round one fifty, probably in that tenth round range. Uh, Tariq Skubal, Patrick Sandoval were the two pitchers right around the one fifty range this year, one fifty two yeah. and one fifty six respectively. You see Christian Javier, similar to how we viewed those guys back in the spring, Skubal and Sandoval. Honestly, I think we should be doing him higher. I, I think so. So maybe let me jump up. Now, this guy's going to jump up his teammate, Fromber, but Fromber was pick 133 last year. Obviously, he's going to be way up. But try to put yourself back in the spring mindset. Do we view Javier the way we viewed Fromber coming into this year? Although I know you specifically view Fromber much higher. Yeah. Pablo, <laughs> Pablo Lopez was in that same area. Sonny Gray, Tyler Molly. Is that where you're seeing Javier in the 120s, 130s? Maybe not quite that high. Okay. I think those guys are a little bit more established. They had injury che- uh, kind of checked. Um, I would so I'd say probably we're looking at like the one forties. So somewhere guess. between that. We didn't have any one forty SPs this year with from an average ADP or from an a- ADP standpoint. The closest was Kopech at one thirty seven and Jacob Degrom at one forty. Of course, his was injury, so it's hard to to do a one to one comparison there. But it sounds like you're certainly interested in Javier. You're going to draft him as a starter, but you are capping your innings expectation around the 150 mark because he could still have a month here or a month there in the bullpen 
because they might have all six guys going. I think that's fair. And I'm going to change the order here a moment since we have uh, another Astro on here. And he's not part of the six. And I really am curious how you feel about Hunter Brown because I got to be honest, I'm obsessed. Is it because he's a Verlander clone? Of course it is. Of course that's what's got my obsession. But he has .89 ERA and a 108 whip in 20 and a third innings in September with two wins, 28% K rate, and he is a spitting image of Verlander. He's getting to pitch with his hero. Uh, he looks just like him in terms of the delivery and everything. And his early results were uh, were Verlanderian indeed. But uh, he's the seventh man right now. Of course, we didn't bring up anything about like they could trade, they could they could maneuver things too. But as it stands right now, he'd be number seven. What do you what do you think of a Hunter Brown, the uh, the rookie righty for the for the uh, Astros? You gotta wonder if they're gonna make a trade at some point. Like yeah, they, they just there's just so much depth. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Fromber or a guy like Luis Garcia like makes sense for them to. Probably not Fromber, but I don't think they trade your boy Fromber, man. He, <laughs> He's by so the way, you, you've been so keen on him all the way mm -hmm. through. I still I still think he's underrated. 201 in the American League. Yeah, absolutely. 282 ERA, 116 whip. Yes, his K rate is a little bit lower, but 194 Ks from the volume standpoint, you are not missing a beat with mm -hmm. Fromber. He has yeah. become he's basically American League Sandy. Yeah, yes. That's kind of yeah, how I view him. He absolutely is. Like he's one of those guys where you want to pair him with a high strikeout. Sure, get your guy that has or, double digit or thirty yeah. percent K rate. But other than that, he's golden. Frommer's a yeah. god. So absolutely. yeah, so I could see maybe like Luis Garcia uh, trade maybe Javier himself. I don't think they'll trade Hunter Brown. Maybe Urquidy's dealt. But uh, they do have seven right now on the roster. As is, is Hunter Brown someone you you would draft and say draft and hold fifty rounders? Which by the way, I was alluding to I. I did. Uh, I did start a draft. I, I'm in a draft. Oh, I'm, <laughs> without me, I I feel betrayed. Like saw I saw my Twitter, good sir. I could have nudged you. I didn't think you wanted to do one as quickly, so I didn't direct message you. But I did tweet it out. I just said, wow. "Oops," and I showed that it. I showed that I was in the draft. Is this through NFBC? Yeah, I I I didn't even know they had drafts available yet. So that's that's what happened. I was at an appointment yesterday, and I I had I was in the waiting room a little bit, and you know, idle hands. I'm I'm scrolling through, and I was like, oh, these are open. Let me go ahead and sign up for one, and I did. So I'm in one, and uh, it has started. The first pick just happened, and it was Julio Rodriguez. Zach Wax Waxman is on the clock. I'll probably make a dog shit pick, and then Frank Stanfield, and I pick fifth. Oh man, this is this is bad news for my bank account. This is absolutely bad. News. See, and that's why I didn't want to be a negative influence on you because I have to see Danielle in about a month. I didn't need to get my ass kicked. So I felt like if you saw it on Twitter and you happen to join, that's not on me. But yes. if I texted you or G chatted you, there's a paper trail, and then I'm I'm on the hook, and I can't have that. I, I can't have that. So if you, you understand why I couldn't directly tell you, I had to just put the breadcrumb out there on Twitter. Closing, uh, yes. I'm closing out the tab. I already I opened the tab while you were talking. I closed out the tab. I'm going to give it. myself. Wait. I, 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 told, I told Danielle, like, hey, I'm going to take the next few days off. I've recorded two podcasts in these two days already. I recorded uh, an episode of TGFBI with Michael Richards, who won the TGFBI overall. Congrats. Uh, uh, and then recording with you, like – I, I have not taken any time off. See, so I, I, this is like the perfect timing, right? Because I can give myself and say, hey, you got me for the weekend. 
and we're going to be in the park all weekend. So mm-hmm. it's it's all good there. I can get my brownie points for disconnecting from baseball for at least a weekend here but uh i am i am in a draft so i'm I'm excited we'll see how it goes anyway hunter brown 50 round draft and hold i didn't get your answer there i was too busy talking about myself yeah yeah i think taking him in those drafts yes you also want to just make sure i mean the way you win a draft and hold is by loading up as many innings and uh and at bats as possible so like you just want to make sure that he is not one of the guys you're really counting on necessarily Um, Hunter know, Brown he, needs to be like extra in case because yeah. he might not start. He literally yeah. might not start for half the season. Yeah, um, because as much as we say like they should trade one of these guys, the most valuable thing in baseball is pitching depth, right? Yeah. Is, is having that rotation depth and that bullpen depth to propel you, and it's one of the things that's made uh, the Astros so successful. So um, I like Hunter Brown from a skills perspective. I I think he is a really really interesting guy, but I also just I think he needs two injuries to, to eat or, or, or trades or moves. To, yeah. Yeah. To get into that rotation. Uh, he'll be a part of it. It's just going to be a kind of a random times of the year. So like, he's not going to be draftable more than like, unless a move happens or injury happens before um, draft day, we'll be draftable in a regular league. Uh, uh, you know, I even, even as a spec pick, cause you're just going to have to hold on to him. I, I just don't think you want to do that. Yeah. And a 12 team, I don't think you're holding like a Hunter Brown for a month no. even. So, um, I don't, I don't think you can do it at 15. Like it's just like, especially, I mean, unless you have like really, really deep benches, it just doesn't make sense to burn yeah. a roster spot. You think about all the guys that kind of came up in the first month mm-hmm. of the season ended up being huge for teams, you know, Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright, you know, those guys, like you want to be trying to find the next one of those guys, not holding on to someone who's in the minor league who may not come up at all. Yeah. And Brown could be that guy, but he needs the opportunity and that's the tough part. So he's somebody whose draft stock could certainly ebb and flow based on the off season. And if there, if the path opens up a bit more then he becomes an all formats type of guy. But as it stands right now, I do think Hunter Brown is best utilized in draft and hold leagues where you don't have to rely on him. What about another Hunter? This guy will not be just taken in draft and hold leagues. He put a premium on his price with this finish. Hunter green put up 23 innings of a 0.78 ERA and a 0.83 whip with a 41% K rate in September. It wasn't just September. He closed strong in general. The youngster really took a step forward with his command and control. Uh, 8% walk rate. We'll take that all day from him. That's about average, but when you're striking out that many, that totally plays. And Hunter Green really, really started to look like the guy that has generated so much excitement as a former number two overall pick. Nick Lodolo as well, by the way. I didn't put him on the list because we did recently talk about him. But uh, both of them looked like a great one-two punch. You kind of go back to mid-July with Hunter Green. Now, he did miss a bunch of time. He basically missed all of August and the first half of September, so he only had four starts. But you take a look at his last 46 innings coming down the stretch from July 9th on. 175 ERA and 66 Ks in 46 in the third innings. Where's Hunter Green going next year? Will you be paying the inflated price because the helium is going to push him up? Yeah, he he's going to be going probably higher than I'm going to be willing to take him. Uh, I, I I love Hunter Green. I love yeah, I love the idea of Hunter Green. Um, I it's I'm I'm scared about the pain and control as you referenced. It's just, mm-hmm. You know, even in these great stretches, yeah, you know, a four walk outing and three three walk outings. Um, like that's, that's scary. Like that's, you know, for a guy who 
can give up the long ball at times. On the bright side, you know, since July 9th, he only gave up two home runs. So that, yes. that's really, really good. The command's on point. Control, not so much. You're still in that dangerous ballpark. I like the division that you that he pitches in. But, and I will mention it throughout the offseason, division no longer as big of an advantage because the schedule is going to be balanced now. Yep. So you don't get to pick on, obviously he's on Cincinnati as well, but you don't get to pick on uh, Pittsburgh a bunch, the Cubs and all that. You, you're you not getting as many games against your division. So that also works the, re- the positive way for somebody in like the AL East. You're not having to worry mm-hmm. as much about like Alec Manoa facing all those guys. So um, that's a little bit of a decline for Hunter Green, but he's matchup proof when he's on. The problem is, it is that control. We saw the command take a step forward with the homer suppression, like you mentioned. Can he consistently live at like a, a seven to nine percent walk rate? Even ten percent would be okay. It's when he gets in that like 12-13% range that you can get in a lot of trouble. I'd, I'd like it below 10% too, but I could tolerate that if everything else is on point for Hunter Green. Now he was 324 ADP this past year. He's gonna go way above way up beyond that. You mentioned that you might be priced out. What are you thinking for him then? Like a, a pick 120, top 100? Like wh- where are we at with uh, Hunter Green? Yeah, I think he's going to go in the area that um, Shane McClanahan and Alec Manoa went this year, like 80 to 100. Yep. I just think I that's a that. bit too high. Like it's, it's, That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's still a bad ballpark. Um you know, like you said, the, the schedule's a little bit more balanced. He's not going to get as many games against Pittsburgh and the Cubs. Uh, and I just I just worry about that control and command. Um, I, he he could definitely be this year's Shane McClanahan, or next year's Shane McClanahan, uh, a guy who, you know, people some people are really hyped on, other people are a little wary of that just breaks the hell out and is an SP1 for you. Uh, I totally see that. He could also be... You know, guy who, you know, how Jesus Lazardo has treated us until this year, right? It would yes. just been a guy that everybody throws a hot top 100, top 120 pick at, uh, only to have him just destroy all your hopes and dreams. So <laughs> uh, I, I think there's some risk. And I think with my SP two or three, um, I, I want a guy that I feel a little bit more comfortable with than 100 grade. Yeah, I could see a, <clears throat> excuse me, I could see like a pitching heavy build where I could somehow make Hunter Green my three or four. But as my two, I think I want a little bit more stability as well. I think that's a good point. You could get this stability, probably not as your SP2, but uh, stability was the name of the game this year for Jose Quintana. He had a two-team season, uh, starting with Pittsburgh, staying in division and going over to St. Louis. He's actually going to get the game one start too, which I don't know. that All their pitchers are kind of similar, so I'm not saying that it's an egregiously bad move. I think I'd still give the ball to Wayno, just given his experience and everything. But also the fact that for me, I look at Philly and I'm like, they're pretty good against lefties. I understand Cardinals thinking, oh, Schwarber and Harper are their two most dangerous hitters, so we're going to go with a lefty. But we don't worry worried about the playoffs. Hunt, uh, Jose Quintana was excellent. He was specifically quite good for St. Louis, 201 ERA, 112 whip after a 350, 127 with Pittsburgh. So he got better with them. His home run suppression was so strong, it led the league. 0.4 homer nine this year uh, was the main factor. His command and control were completely on point. 137 strikeouts in 165 and two-thirds for Quintana. The composite ERA was 292. Uh, The composite whip was 121. 
you going to buy anything with this uh, for Jose Quintana next year? It'll be 34. Here's the thing. I don't think his price is going to soar because nobody's going to be fully buying it. So would you buy him at a fair price? I mean, a fair price being like pick 250. I, I, I don't think he's going to be expensive. I think it all depends on where he ends up. Like uh, team-wise, you mean? Yeah, team-wise, right? yeah. because in in really it's park-wise. Like I, yes. you know, I, I want a guy who is going to be in a park that helps him suppress home runs the way Pittsburgh and St. Louis just did for him this St. year. Louis. Just I think if St. he stays Louis, with St. Louis, I'm all in on a two fifty price. He gives up so much contact, so yes. much contact. Like we're talking like eighty nine percent zone contact, which is like scary amount of contact for a pitcher who doesn't have overpowering stuff to be giving because i mean it really means you're living on the margins and i think he is i think he's one of those guys that lives on the margins uh so before i draft him in any league so which means i have to wait uh, you know i'm sitting out right now with draft and holds for a guy like well actually probably not because he's so reliable in terms of innings like he's one of those guys like you could feel pretty comfortable he'll be pitching in september yeah, so he probably actually is okay. I think I'd want to wait till after pick three hundred, so maybe I I don't get him. Uh, but like if he were to end up in, I'm gonna say Baltimore. Baltimore is actually a good place to pitch now. Uh, yeah, um, it, you know if he ended up in Cincinnati or uh, obvious, you know even place like Atlanta, like where they were Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Like I'm just. I want to be very, very careful about the parks that he could be pinching in. Um, yeah, because Quintana, like, the home run suppression was there this year, but he mm -hmm. had a 1-7 homer nine last year. So this was a drastic improvement. Uh, I'm sure some of it was was skill and approach-based, but a lot of it was cutting the home run to fly ball rate down to 5%, which isn't always super sustainable. Let's just be honest about mm -hmm. it. Um, the one thing that, that makes him just – eminently viable is I just don't think that that Jose Quintana's price will soar. I really don't. He's going to be yeah. 34. Everyone knows he's finesse. No one's going to be surprised or, you know, there'll be an occasional draft maybe that he goes what we would deem too high, but I really think he's going to easily be in the 200s pretty much across the board. And I, I so, think that's fine. Like, I mean, especially if he's like your, your six or your seven kind of starter, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, fine. You take, you take the gamble. Uh, I just, I, I definitely will be a little bit more hesitant uh, until I know where he's going to land. If he signs, if he resigns with the Cardinals, I mean, that's like best case scenario. You got a guy who gets a fair amount of ground balls with the best infield defense in baseball in a park that helps suppress uh, home runs. Like I think that would be the perfect landing spot for him to just stay in St. Louis. But uh, until I know that for sure, or I see exactly where he's landing, I'm probably going to just kind of temper my my expectations on where I'm willing to take him. Yeah, I think that totally checks out with Jose Quintana. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Like, even if he has a huge playoff, I don't think there's going to be a massive tax on him. No. Let's talk Dre Jameson. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum age-wise here and talk the young buck, 24-year-old righty for the D-backs. That was the guy I mentioned that also had three wins here in September. Oh, I didn't mention Quintana's September numbers. 081 ERA, 075 whip. Pretty disgusting. Uh, Dre Jameson had a 148 ERA. 111 whip in September. He was great. He was on my bench though because he was busy blasting excellent teams, and I didn't. I, I was nervous about it, so I didn't start him uh, in his debut against the Padres. Nobody did, of course. You couldn't pick him up in the NFC. But then at the Dodgers, I'm like, well, I gotta sit this guy. Six innings, two two runs, seven strikeouts, and a win. Um, and then he did start against San Francisco two times to end the year. I did get those, so I got one of the wins. But he was excellent. He went uh, six plus and three out of the four starts, five and a third scoreless in the other of those starts. 
a legit prospect for the D-backs, came up, pitched really well. Do you believe in Dre Jameson at all? Does he? Uh, does this hot September put you, put him on your radar for 2023? Excuse me. I mean, he definitely is on my radar. I don't think he's like a big breakout candidate necessarily. I, th- I still think he needs to at least um, improve the usage of the third pitch. Um, and, I, and I just don't know. Like the fastball is is good, but it's, I don't think it's as great as maybe we graded it out on Fangraphs at the beginning of the year. Um, Sorry for that sound, by the way. Can yeah, you hear that? Well, Kyle's taking Ky- <laughs> Kyle's we fired back. him. I don't want him, even for free. I don't want him. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, it's so loud. My, anyway. <laughs> it's just happening out in front yard somewhere. I don't know. But yeah, Dre Jameson. So you're saying not you're not you don't think it's a 70 fastball like uh, like it was graded. It's pretty good fastball though. I like yeah. Dre Jameson a good bit. It it I mean I'm I'm just a I think he's underwhelming. Honestly, like I, I, you know, you kind of look at those grades and you go, uh, you look at those grades and you go, hey, you know, this is the next big star. I don't think he's a star. I don't think that's, I don't think that strikeout rate is coming up uh, a ton. I think he, I think he's probably going to be somewhat of a version of what we saw with a little bit worse ratio. So, um, slander, unbelievable slander. He's definitely going to maintain a 95% left on base rate. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a guarantee. Uh, Yeah. No, but I like that he had okay twenty five percent K K rate, eleven percent swinging strike, fifty six percent ground ball rate. I like that. If that ground ball rate is legit, which I believe it is based on on his minor league numbers, I really do like that as a nice foundation too. He does not have a gaudy strikeout rate. Minor league numbers, especially in AAA, weren't particularly special, but that's why you don't take PCL pitcher mm-hmm. numbers too seriously. Um, what do we think he can become then next year? Like, what 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 are you looking at? Do you think he's a low four ZRA kind of guy, like struggles, you know, little ups and downs through a rookie season. Do you think he can be in the mid threes with his ERA? What, or, or are you worried even more like mid to high fours with Trey Jameson? What, what, what's your general projection? I'm not going to hold you to this or anything, but uh, what are you generally thinking he can put up for next year? Yeah, I think he's probably like a high threes to mid fours kind of ERA projection under strikeout and inning. Um, I, it's nice that he pitches in Arizona. It's a good park to pitch in. Um, you know, it's a pretty decent infield defense behind him, uh, for all those ground balls. So like, I don't think he's a guy who like becomes like unusable. Um, but I just think he's kind of ho-hum, which is fine. Like, oh, not, you know, and I don't know that he's going to be very expensive again, he no. pitches in Arizona, you know, people don't know who Trey Jameson is. Yeah. Unless you're prospect hound, you're not. Yeah. I, so I think he's he's not like one of these guys that's going to be – you're not going to spend a top 300 pick on the guy. So uh, for, for what he is, I think he's fine. Like I, I don't think he's a guy that you should necessarily be appointing. I think he's a perfect guy in a draft and hold because he's going to get innings. I think he's going to pitch for the Diamondbacks. Like what other options do they really have? So uh, I think he I think he's a, you know, a late dart throw, which is fine. He's probably not going to be on a ton of my teams, but I'm going to take the gamble here and there. Yeah, I again, I, I agree. I won't necessarily just draft him everywhere, but I do like Dre Jamison. He is he is going to be one of those prospect targets that I am going to like, especially mm-hmm. in draft and holds, because uh, I believe in him and I think he's I think he's a good pitcher. 
and I'm excited to see what he can do next year. And he is somebody who definitely benefits from the new balance schedule because he doesn't get as much Dodgers, Padres, or potential trips to Colorado. So I do like that mm-hmm. as well. So that's Trey Jamison of the Diamondbacks. Moving on here. Next up, another youngster, Hook'em Horns, baby. Bryce Elder went to the University of Texas, now pitches for Atlanta. He won some leagues. I, I guarantee that shutout, that shutout that he had, that was a, a, a savvy stream pick. He he won some leagues for sure. He was picked up, uh, drops a six strikeout shutout at Washington. Start after that wasn't great. Five innings, four runs against Miami, but he he was huge for that start. And that was he was a big pickup that week. So people are very excited about that. But Bryce Elder, he was up and down throughout the year, pitched a little bit in August. Uh, excuse me, a little bit in April, a little bit in August, a little bit in September. All told, it was a 317 ERA and, 100, and a 124 whip in 54 innings. In September specifically, it was a 175 ERA, 0.94 whip for Bryce Elder. Opportunity is the main thing, right? So we, we know that. Assuming they find a role for him because they got Freed, Wright, Morton, you know, those are their top three, although we'll, we'll see if Morton's even – did Morton get a two-year deal? Yes, he got he one did, more right? year. That's yeah. right. That's right. So he he so those three are there. I think the spots are open after that though. Like Ian Anderson. Oh, Spencer Strider. Hello. But there is one spot I believe open for like Elder, Odorizzi, Ian Anderson, Soroka. Soroka. Do you think Elder can get that spot and be somebody worth drafting, or is he six seventh type guy, Hunter Brown style? I think he's kind of Hunter Brown style. I think six seven type. Uh, Hunter Brown I, style in in role only. He's not as good as Hunter Brown. Let me be clear on that. Yeah, not saying he's Hunter Brown skills. Honestly, I think he's if we're if we're looking at role, I think he's more uh, Christian Javier role, where a guy he's gonna like. I think he's gonna be on the major league roster, but I think he's gonna bounce between the rotation and the bullpen depending on fair. what the uh, Braves need. Um, now, now Kyle Gibson is trying to get money from you <laughs> for, for a cut we didn't ask for. That's actually Henry yeah. ringing his doorbell ready to come outside. Yeah, he got a little doorbell, and Char makes him do it. It's so funny. Like, she doesn't <laughs> ring it. He's go ring the bell for us, Henry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has very, very underwhelming stuff. Like, he's pitched really, really well, and I think there's a place on this team for him. Uh, and so, therefore, I think there is uh, a place, at least on your DC teams, because you think he's going to be pitching all year for yeah. the Braves. Uh, the question is what the role is. Can he replicate anywhere close to what he did this year with how underwhelming his stuff is? Uh, Elder is um, a really – like, Elder, like, takes after his name. He's, he's like he's like <laughs> this crafty guy uh, that should be, like, a 35-year-old vet that's somehow still in the majors. You but know what's funny about that? Not. I it, it, they kind of go hand in hand, not a hundred percent, but to that end, the way he reminds you, the way Rice Elder pitches, in my mind, I always think he's a lefty too, because mm-hmm. he just strikes me as a crafty lefty. Like you're right, he does pitch like a thirty-two year old, just grinding it out. A, a guy who's just trying to stay in the majors. He's yep. been around forever. He's a journeyman. He he's. Like he's Jake Odorizzi. Like he's yeah. like, you know, he's, he's but instead he's a rookie and like yeah. there probably is some upside, but I, I agree when I watch him pitch and then in my mind's eye for some reason I always and he went to the he went to the University of Texas. I watched him pitch in college and my brain will not put him on the right side uh where he pitches. He is a righty. I, I did this whole bit one time on a uh Vsin Vegas Sports Information Network, a whole betting thing on him 
uh, using verse lefty numbers. I was so embarrassed, and I totally the, the host didn't correct me. I wish they would have. Uh, that would have been better than putting that out there and then being like, "Oh my god, I gave all these lefty numbers." Thankfully, he beasted, so uh, my my reco was still decent. But uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, but Bryce Elder is a righty. He's going to be sixth, seventh man. I don't think he's necessarily going to come in with a guaranteed role. But Atlanta pitchers, man, they know how to they know how to cultivate pitchers. They're another team that I yeah. kind of give a little extra credit to just immediately when I'm looking at one of their pitchers, and Bryce Elder's going to get some of that love again. I think perfectly capable of drafting and drafting holds right now. But if for some reason you are doing a 12 or 15 teamer that that is just going to be a standard league and you're drafting that in November, October, November, December, I would be careful of Elder in those formats. But mostly it's just draft and holds at this point, thankfully. If you are going to be a sicko like me and draft, at least just do draft and holds so you can kind of kind of take whoever. But uh, yeah, I'll be interested in taking Elder in the, in the two, late 200s. I don't think he's going to be an expensive pick. Yeah, I think he's fine. Like, I just, I, I, I do think there is kind of this potential that he gets just absolutely blown up. I mean, it, he was like 60% fastball, and that's a bad fastball. Like, there's no way around it. Like, it's not a good fastball. So rare in today's um, game, too, to have that, to throw that many fastballs. Everyone else is going the other way, it seems. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like, I'd actually like them to, like, kind of switch up his pitch mix a little bit and, yeah. and, um, and let him kind of work backwards. But that being he said, he's, he needs that sinker, though, you know? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it, the fastball is mostly sinkers, but yeah. that's how he gets that ground ball rate, sinker, slider type. Maybe a better third pitch, too, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the changeup is there. It's legit. He throws at 12%. But, um, yeah, this is not a fully formed product. I, I, think, it, I think it's more about sequencing for Elder. Like, that's I think, fair. like, uh, you know, if he, just, if he would just attack with the off-speed stuff first um, as opposed to just, you know, laying down. Sinker, 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 sinker. So someone's just going to – people are just going to sit on that because eventually yeah. he's going to miss with it and they're going to take the yards. So um, there is some risk uh, to Elder, but this price is going to be nothing. Nobody believes yeah. in this guy. No, nah, he's, he's not going to be flashy or anything like that. So if you like Elder, you can take him. Risk is going to be built into the price. No worries. Next up. Let's move to the Tigers. Former Brave, Joey Wentz. Starting to show some things here. I remember when we got him, uh, reading up on him, you know, he was a prospect, but he wasn't like a huge prospect. Wasn't expecting it to be like some great trade. But uh, great September for him, 173 ERA, 1.00 whip on the button for Wentz. All told, 33, 32 and two-thirds innings this year of a 303 ERA and a 110 whip. Somewhat similar to Elder in that, uh, you know, the strikeouts aren't great. Walk rate isn't great. Um, he is actually left-handed, though. So mm -hmm. I, I can put him as a lefty in my mind's eye, and that is correct. But did Joey Wentz, you know, he showed some things with the Tigers here down the stretch. Was it enough to uh, to interest you at all? A little bit, because I think there's going to be a spot in the rotation for him next year. Like, I, I agree with he, that. I think he's going to come into camp with a potential, you know, actual potential shot at a real job, unlike Hunter Brown and Bryce Elder, who are likely going to be resorted to being six-mans uh, or seven-mans. Yep. I think I think Wentz has a really good opportunity to be, like, the fourth or fifth starter in this Tigers rotation, depending on what they do in the offseason. Obviously, they True. were big spenders last year. We have to see, like, injury-wise, like, what guys are coming back and what guys aren't. But... It's a good part to pitch in. I think his big concern is going to be, you know, command. Like, how many homers does he give up? Pitching in Detroit helps that, right? I mean, it's, it's a good place to pitch. 
you know, as we bemoan the, the likes of uh, Akil Badu and uh, Javier Baez not being able to hit balls out of the park. Yes. But that, that's great for a guy like Wentz. Uh, and I do think he has pretty good stuff when he can command and control it. The, the problem is his command and control throughout the minor leagues have been very spotty. It's the reason why Atlanta gave up on him. Um, so uh, I, I, mean, I think he's going to be dirt cheap. I think you're going to get him around pick 500 or something like that, pick mm-hmm. 600. So, like, yeah, take the gamble. Why not? Like, he's a guy who should get a fair amount of innings at the major league level next year. Uh, even if he's bad, like he's he's a guy who he'd probably as long as he's healthy, he'd be fine. So, yeah, uh, I I fully agree that you're you're paying nothing for Joey Wentz if you like yeah. him. If you saw some things that you think he can improve upon with the Tigers. I think opportunity will be there. Price will be nothing. Um, doesn't have a, doesn't have a lot of swing and miss. Eight percent, nine percent swinging strike rate. Not great with a twenty percent K rate. However, I think part of that might be figuring out his stuff in the majors because he had some pretty nice swinging strike rates in the minors, including a 15% this year at AAA, um, an 11% and 25% K rate in AA last year. Like, we've seen some swing and miss from Wentz. Can he bring it to the majors will be the next question. We'll have to see how that slider goes. But like you said, opportunity will absolutely be there. And I'm on the clock. A-Rod, Turner, Judge, Acuna were the top four. Frank Stample. Isn't Frank Stample a Yankees fan? I believe he is, yeah. Homer, he's the one who took yeah, judge. Of course, Homer. Yeah. Diego Ramirez or Otani? Oh, now we're putting our last conversation to uh, to the test. Man, that's a tough one because I mean, I think taking Otani. I think all right, take Otani. I want to see how you build this because all right, I'm doing. I still think Ramirez should be a top three pick. Like, I, I do too. Like is like. Um, I, I didn't think I'd have an opportunity at him, right? I was kind of thinking Otani all the way, thinking like that the choice was going to be made for me. Mm-hmm. But with Ramirez there, I'm like, I really should take him. I, I, I mean, he, I do have him and Otani very close, though. It's Trey Ramirez Otani. I think was the order I said when we talked again when we had that I, Otani. Combo. I think I said this like ten times already, like in reference to next year or this year, so I guess draft season now. Uh, uh, I, I do not want to top like five, six pick. Like I, I want like, because usually you had the potential, your pick six, you said, or pick five, pick five, at pick five, you have the potential to get Otani or J-Ram like that's, that's nuts. Like yeah. that. And I'll be interested where J-Ram falls. So, uh, yeah, give me, give me as late of a pick as possible. I feel you. It's a deep highlights. first round. Uh, Nicholas Gout is in this draft. Uh, he picks not next, but he picks seven. At, at, at not Burt Reynolds, for, for those of you who uh, love good beards and very a very funny uh, follow on Twitter. Great dude. Great dude. Yeah, I hope he really goes to Arizona. Dude. And Mike Masato. He's, he's not. He's, uh, uh, Nick is not going to be. That's unfortunately. That's um, a bummer. He's a really, really fun dude. Great guy to hang out with. All right. Otani's being picked right now. I did it. Let's do it. There you go. That J-Ram. I, I wouldn't do that very often, skipping him. I, again, I really thought I had no chance at him, but let's see what the Otani build looks like. All right, moving on to our next guy. we got a few more here as we wrap up. Bailey Ober. Remember, a lot of preseason hype about him, a lot of excitement. It was undercut by a, a relatively early injury that sidelined him for a good bit. But if you held on, which I believe is exactly what 
Tanner Bell and Jeff Zimmerman did in our main. I don't think they ever let him get on the wire. I believe that's who has him. Um, so even when he was kind of coming back and, and on rehab, I remember going to check to say, oh, let me try to sneak him a couple weeks early. Nope, he was held because uh, you know they saw that upside and they wanted to hang on to him. He was undercut on June 1st. So he missed several months, came back on September 16th, put up four starts, put up four strong starts though, 201 ERA, 0.72 whip. Perhaps most importantly was the fact that uh, he only allowed two homers in that time. Homers are the big issue with Ober. That's what we kind of needed to see. Like, okay, can he limit the homers consistently? Two and 22 and a third does not tell us a whole lot. But overall, even in the 56 innings, he pitched a .6 homer night. Both he and Joe Ryan cut into their home run rates. Very small sample for Ober. Is it enough for you to buy in and uh, and and buy back next year? Because I don't think the price is going to come down much from where it was. Even though he only threw 56 innings, he was picked 208 this past year. I think the price might go up because of this September. What do you think about Bailey Ober? I hope that price doesn't come up because I'm all <laughs> over this. Like I, it, it's going to go up though, dude. I don't know that it will. I think because his believers are a loud group. Like he, he had there were Bailey Ober believers. I don't know. Man, they I got, got burnt, they got burnt pretty hard on him. They got, That's I mean, true. You got 56 innings this year. And, and 321, most of, 105. Most of, you probably didn't get much of it. I don't think many people were in the same That's position the thing. as Zimmerman and Tanner Bell, where they could just hold on to him. Like Most people had to like to drop him. Yes, um, a lot of people did did cut him. That is 100% true. Now, like you said, there are some really loud voices, especially in the industry. Todd Zola, our good friend, who we're going to see at, at FS, mm -hmm. uh, being chief among them as like an overstand. Uh, but I'm here for it. Like, I'm absolutely here for it. Now, this could all go awfully wrong, like, right? I mean, you know, he still has like a 95% fly ball rate. Um, it's not quite that high, but it's, it's like 60%. Like that, that's scary. Uh, you know, you do love seeing that his ground ball percentage went up from 27% to uh, 33% in September. Like he's getting a little bit more on the ground, but you, and you, I wonder like how much would Kepler leaving affect that outfield defense? I think it'll still be pretty good, but it won't be quite as elite, uh, without Kepler. It was uh, Dalton there. that kept him. Pardon me, Dalton Daldon kept him. Which remember he well, ran out of money early. So that and that—that's I think that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. but it was a unique circumstance to your point, which is a lot of people did not keep him with Bailey no. being out that long. He was gone. Sorry to interrupt you. You were talking about the defense. Kepler could be gone, which would hurt their defense. Mm -hmm. Buxton, when he plays, of course, is excellent, but so, he's yeah. not reliable. So, what do you do there if their defense is compromised in the outfield? They seem like a team that's gonna prioritize a little bit at that of that. I think so too. So I, I'm not super super worried about it. I mean, they brought in like guy like Brett, uh, Brett Rucker and um, you know other other guys who can play you know decent defensive outfield. So uh, I like Ober a lot. I, I I was not in on the hype this year. I kind of wanted to. I, I needed more of a sample for him and Ryan to prove that they weren't gonna just get murdered by uh, home the runs. They both were fine, so like I'm, I'm bought in now, uh, and I don't think that over is going to be super expensive. Honestly, I think he's going to be outside the top 200. I think that's a fine price to pay for a guy like uh, Bailey Ober. I think he's going to end up on a lot of my teams. Completely agree across the board. Don't need to reiterate all of it. I'm in on Bailey Ober. We'll see where the price lands. Let's talk about another young arm. 
that, uh, you know, did have some growth this year. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Mitch Keller, but he had that big velo spike from going to an academy this offseason. I don't know if it was driveline, but it was a driveline type area. Picked up a ton of velo and held it. He was up essentially almost two miles an hour this year. Uh, at, by season's end, it was 1.6 mile per hour jump, which is huge. Uh, on a fastball for an entire season, up to 95.7. He finally started to get results with it, too, because he had the velo all year, but for a while, nothing was going with it. It was just like, hey, this is faster, so it's leaving the yard faster. But uh, 206 ERA, 117 whip in 35 September innings for Keller helped him finish strong. He winds up with a 391 ERA, but a 140 whip, Justin. That 140 whip is terrifying, and still just a 9% swinging strike rate. Is there another step for Keller? He'll be 27 next year. Can he incorporate swing and miss? He added the velo. Is the next step finding a, a better slider or a better curveball to get the whiffs? Um, I don't know where you're getting the velo reports, but by the end of the year, he was he was 94. Um, oh, I meant by the end of the year, his bottom line was 95.7. Oh, okay. So if he was so, fading down yeah, the stretch, that's not very good. Yeah, by the start of... Well, probably his last two or three starts. He, he, I he see that it was game. it was down to ninety four in his last two. That that's yeah. that's a big one mile plus dip, one to mm -hmm. one point five miles. Like that's when you really start to it, say, "Whoa, that's a dip." I mean, in August thirtieth, his start he was ninety six. Like, and so by the time he gets to the end of September, he's ninety four one, ninety four three. Uh, that's a little bit concerning. The other part that's concerning is like this new version of Mitch Keller is very hittable. Um, he's not trying to get strikeouts. He's trying to get out of innings quickly. He's, he's trying to uh, let his defense pick him up. That's not the pitcher we not wanted great. from Mitch Keller. We don't want that 140 win. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's brutal. Uh, and so there are going to be some people who are taking victory laps on Mitch Keller because people are like, look, he made it through the whole season. He didn't crush ERA. Don't look at the whip. Uh, yeah, the whip is devastating. It's it's absolutely devastating. I think he's a fine pitcher where he goes. I I hope if he's like if he's more expensive than like a top three hundred pick, I'm out. Um, mm -hmm. Really, honestly, I want him outside the top four hundred. Uh, at this point, like I've I've had my last ride with Mitch Keller. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be going back to the well on that one. I, I okay. There's the massive strikeouts just aren't there. Um, and at this point, he's just kind of a, a finesse guy, and that's not what you thought you were getting with Mitch Keller. No, I, I totally understand not really wanting to buy in. There's not a whole lot to go off of. If there's going to be a jump, it's going to be a kind of an out-of-nowhere jump, you know, yeah. because you can't really uncover the, or, uh, you know, look under the hood and be like, oh, there's this, that, and the other that suggests that he could add all these strikeouts. It would have to be another new pitch. I mean, the fastball wasn't new, but, like, the velo was – it would have to be, oh, he went back to that same academy, revamped his slider, and now Mitch Keller gets tons of swings and misses. Because that's, other than that, I, I don't see it. 20% K rate, 9% swinging strike. That's so bland. That's so, yeah. so bland. Saving grace is that Mitch Keller will not be expensive. I don't think that even with and the ICRA. And he's got a guaranteed rotation spot. Like, of all the guys we're talking about today, like, he is the probably most locked into a rotation spot. Yep. Um, other than Quintana, right? So Quintana and Keller, like, they're super boring. They're not high upside picks. Uh, but they're all guys who are going to be pitching probably all year wherever they're at. Yes, I totally agree with that. As with this last guy here, if healthy, which was the big issue this year for Aaron Savali, 
my man's body just could not stay on track. He missed multiple lengthy periods, uh, three different IL stints of 22 days or more, ranging as high as 31 days, undercut him, limited him to just 97 innings. But he closed brilliantly with a 327 ERA and a .77 whip down the stretch, 22 innings, and three wins. Uh, him, Dre Jameson, and Christian Javier were the three guys on this list that had three wins. And he only had four September starts. So he was he was kind of working behind the eight ball there. Didn't even return until September 30th. Got four starts, won his last three, looked great. Um, did allow two homers in each of the last two to KC. So four homers across 12 innings. You don't love that. But honestly, after that ugly start, uh, the first time he went on the IL, Aaron Savali had a 784 ERA. From that point forward, 355 in 66 innings with 68 Ks. The Ks jumped up, which was really, really surprising. We don't usually see that from Aaron Savale. What do you make of his disjointed season? Is it enough to uh, to interest you for next year? I'm always going to be interested in Aaron Savale. I just, I just, I don't think I'm ever going to give up on it. Well, uh, like, I think- what's weird about that though is you don't like Jose Arquiti, and I see them very similarly. But we saw the strikeout upside here. With that's Savali, true. Right? Like we did twenty four percent K rate this year. That's the difference to me. It's like you seeing the strikeout up. You see the strikeout upside in Savali that I, I just never seen in your Um Yes, he won Michael Richards the TGFBI overall that win really? on the final day. That's wow. that's what that's what that's what kept him above Jeff Zimmerman. I was gonna say you didn't um, mention who he beat. By the way, it is yeah. our very own Jeff Zimmerman. Jeff Zimmerman, uh, who uh, you know. Tanner Bell, Jeff's, you know, draft partner in a lot of leagues, uh, won the TGFBI overall last year. Uh, and Jeff came within like 15 points. I think it was 15 and a half points. Um, you know, they're, when, they're unreal. They're, they're just so good. They're both, they're both just fantastic. A great pod. Jeff does the launch angle if you, uh, with, with Rob Silver. So definitely check that out as well. Uh, but uh, enough promotion for them. Savali's so one of those guys like it. I, like you said, I don't think he's going to be expensive. I think he's going to be pretty cheap. I think people are going to feel pretty burned again by him. Uh, I think he's probably outside top 250, maybe even outside top 300. And I think he's a pretty reliable arm. I think as long as he's healthy, he's in that rotation. The question is always going to be command with him. Like, is he going to give up so? Uh, is he going to give up so many home runs that he's not worth the 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 issues? But I do still see that strikeout upside that we saw in September, where it can be over a strikeout inning. 160 innings like that's that's a lot of strikeouts for a guy that you don't have to spend very much on so uh, i think Savali's yeah a, a fine you know gamble as in sp 789 type thing yeah i i completely agree there on Savali. i'm really excited uh, by what we what we saw from him in these 97 innings and i definitely think that he can build upon it you're going to look at the 492 era i hope that undercuts his price and people are worried about the home runs. There is some concern there. It might have been a trade-off with the strikeouts is that he was in the zone more and a little bit more hittable on those homers. But I think there's a, a put-it-all-together kind of year coming for Savali. I hope it's next year because I also think he can be a like 160-inning-plus type of guy. He just needs to stay healthy. I think they'll trust him at 28 next year. That Even though he only had 97 this year, I don't think they're going to mitigate Savali's innings. If he's healthy, he's going to be trusted. So I'm interested in Savali for sure. Based on the perceived prices that we gave here, who is your favorite of these 10? My favorite of these 10 at the perceived prices, I, it's probably over. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, oh, I mean, I think Ober and Javier, like I know they're probably the more expensive guys out of this list, but I just, 
I love their their outside so much. Um, and I, I really, I really know where they're going to be at in terms of a rotation spot, right? Like yeah. both these guys are going to, I mean, Javier may not be quote unquote in the rotation necessarily, but he's going to, he's going to throw 150 innings and they're going to be really good innings. So, and I, and I think they're going to, I think Houston, we'll see what happens, right? If they, uh, obviously a team like that, their, their season is judged in October, not the regular season. Yeah. So if they win the world series or whatever, um, I think they they could see a lot of shuffling. I I think they're going to create a situation where Javier's guaranteed for the rotation. So I'm going to yeah. be kind of drafting him, hoping that that's the case. Take a little bit of a discount early on, and then once that price is or once that rotation spot is secured, his price will go up. But we take advantage early. And I also like Dre Jameson. Got to give him some love because he's going to be super cheap, and I do think there is some upside there along with Savali. So interesting group here. A lot of guys that I'm open to drafting, even somebody like a Jose Quintana, because I don't think he'll be expensive. And guys like Jose Quintana can be draft and hold gods because you know he didn't cost anything this year. People probably just drafted him 48th mm-hmm. round. Like, sure, he's going to pitch in Pittsburgh and look what they got. It doesn't always turn out like that. I'm not saying draft old guys in the 48th round and you're guaranteed to get huge seasons. But, but it does happen when you take guys who are going to have playing time. When you're doing a draft and hold, and this is what, what we're going to be talking a lot about for the next you know month or two, is draft and hold season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want these guys that are cheap and get you a crap ton of minutes, like right? Yes. Like these are like they may not necessarily be good, but they seem boring. Yeah, you you want these guys that in September they're you know because you can't pick people up, off, you can't pick the Spencer Striders off the waiver wire or the Kyle Wrights off the waiver wire to replenish when your guy gets hurt. You, so when you've got your 22 or 23 starting pitchers on your, you know, 50 round draft and hold, like you want these guys that can, you know, that are going to be there in September and still be occurring in stats and, you know, finding this next year's Quintana is, is really, really valuable actually. Yep. I, I completely agree with that. I want to look real quick cause we got to get going, but I want to see where Quintana went in draft champions. Yeah, I, bet, I bet you went around 450, be my guess. You're about 115 picks too high. Yeah, so there you go, right? 38th so rounder. Like yeah. it was that's that's money. To get a guy, I mean that that's a that's a it's weird to say that Quintana's a league winner, but I bet you a lot of people won leagues, drafting on leagues with Quintana on them. Absolutely. Yeah, because that was a legit usable starter at that point. George Kirby, by the way, was five eighty two in those leagues. Yeah, drafting old prospects and oldies at, at that end. Get a good mix of them. Get a couple prospects. Get a couple. Yeah. You don't want to load up too much because you no. you know you have early injuries and these prospects aren't up. And yeah. then you can also roster prospects that just suck. That right? just like, are bad. Yeah, I like, I usually how, how much Nick Prado on my I mean Nick Prado shares I I had. Um, yep. You know that that never really, or even out somebody well. that we liked that I I know we'll talk about in the offseason going back to Savali's team. What about a Cody Morris who was a worthy mm-hmm. prospect to take, but then he popped, he got hurt. Yeah, and like you know. So yes, and uh, older guys, established guys can get hurt too. We're not saying that, but don't take too many prospects and draft and hold, thinking I need to find the next Kirby because, like you said, you will end up with no players to play in a starting mm-hmm. lineup very very quickly so all right that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up here for the weekend are you and jason getting together on sunday i know sundays are gonna be a lot more sporadic now that the season's over as it's been sporadic for the last month uh i will talk with jason and see because i definitely want to do some kind of wrap-ups maybe i'll talk uh count labor with him um and then uh yeah so I'll, i'll check with jason hopefully we can get together 
Uh, reminder that TGFBI signups are open. So if you uh, want to play in TGFBI uh, or a TGFBI satellite to try to win your way in TGFBI, if you're not eligible uh, yet for TGFBI, go do that now. They'll be open until the end of January. But every year people are like, oh, I missed out. I missed out. And there's yeah, not much I time. can do. Like, yeah, there's, there's months now. So go sign up uh, and um, – uh, and don't 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 do what uh, uh, Gray from Raswell did and, and do one eight hundred um, boner pill as uh, as your phone number. So wait, oh, we don't you don't want us to do that? Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Dave McDonald said, you know, put his name as your mom. Yeah. So mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Fair. fair. All right. Well, we're not going to do those things, but we are going to get in TGFBI. Justin, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll be back on Tuesday breaking down a little bit of play. We'll talk some playoff stuff, but then we will uh, continue to do off-season review stuff. If there's anything in particular that you all want to hear, you can always tweet us um, suggestions, but we'll have plenty of off-season content. I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.